Hello and welcome to Missed Opportunities. I am Taya. I'm Laura. And today is the first time in 2022 that we are recording our podcast. It is also the first sort of freeform talking points that uh, style. Yeah, more beforehand, what would happen is we'd watch a movie, we take notes, we discuss, well, later in the podcast era, we would discuss about five to six main points we wanted to hit, and then we would go through those points during the podcast, and it just got really tiring trying to find movies, especially ones that we wanted to criticize, because there's not that much to talk about movies that are good, as far as missed opportunities. It got really boring. I stopped enjoying watching bad movies, but we found that we would discuss a lot of other things that we thought were interesting and thought other people might like to hear. So that's kind of what we're going to go with. A lot of it is still pop culture and movie related because that's a big part of our interest. (laughs) Well, and storytelling is a big part of my interest, and so I will complain about a plethora of storytelling techniques. (laughs) (laughs) So... Today, we want to talk about, I mean, a few different things, but one of the first things we want to talk about, because it came out recently, is Encanto. Yes. So, Disney movie. Encanto has kind of been blowing up all of my, like, social media. Everybody is posting about it. Um, And I hadn't really heard anything bad about it, which always makes me feel a little bit skeptical. (laughs) But my sister recommended it, and she is someone who I trust her her taste, and so I did watch it. And, uh, well, I'll let you talk first, because first thing you need to know about me and Laura is that Frozen 2 is so (laughs) not our favorite movie. We will someday do a podcast on it. We just have to... See, that one, if we did that one freeform style, we might never end the podcast. Ever. I could complain about that movie, like every aspect of that movie. I could take each character and complain about how they treated each character. I could take each song and complain about how they did each song. I mean, I really did not enjoy Frozen 2. Which, we only have one disagreement, which is I like Into the Woods. Or not Into the Woods, sorry. the Lost Lost in the Woods. I no, I don't like it. I, I was gonna say I was like I like it. I just don't like the connotation that it has. But honestly, I don't even like it. So I just I like the song. I love the oh my gosh, what's his name? He played King George in Hamilton, and he was in Glee. Kristoff is whoever. Yeah, Kristoff, but <laughs> the actor's name. Anyway, I'm a huge, huge fan of him, and I think he's wonderful. Everything he sings except the reindeer song. Because I just don't like the reindeer song, but I love hearing him sing Lost in the Woods. I... But this no. is not a Frozen 2 <laughs> podcast. No, what we're going to do with that, we're going to... Maybe we should do a YouTube video with a whiteboard and, like, the strings connecting <laughs> old pictures and, like, a little pointer. Have you seen uh, Jenny... Oh, what's her last name? She's on YouTube, and I will look up what her channel name is because anyone listening out there should definitely go and watch her videos. She is really good at breaking down stories. She's hilarious as she did it, does it. And she had like a two, almost two hour YouTube video, I think, breaking down Vampire Diaries. <laughs> and it's the most entertaining, wonderful thing ever. And she has like a board with pictures and strings and she goes through point by point with like a little pointer. And she's like, first, let's talk about this. And then, you know, <laughs> and she is so just naturally funny and entertaining. And makes really good points. I will find 
her YouTube channel name. But anyway, we should do something like that, but for Frozen 2 is what I'm saying. <laughs> because she had a lot of thoughts and she want, she went through character by character and point by point and it turned out well. Yeah. So we that's something we need to do for Frozen 2 because as you can tell, we will never stop talking about it. Really? And I don't know. I'm... Anyway, let's compare it to Encanto. So one of the one of the many issues that we had with Frozen 2, especially Laura, was that the ending. Yeah. So, explain. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the ending of Frozen 2. Spoilers. Yeah, just in case you didn't realize that the ending would be a spoiler. So, the whole movie, and the whole movie, the opening song, things that we're talking about, is foreshadowing that Arendelle, the, the kingdom or the city or whatever it is, not the people necessarily, is going to be wiped out. Mm-hmm. It's going to fall down. In the opening song, we have like like a brick wall that would never fall, and then bricks fall, or a stone wall, excuse me, and then the stones fall, and blah, 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 saw that, like all this stuff. It's foreshadowing it. They're talking about it. They realize that in order to save the forest and save the North Ordo people and free free them from being stuck only to the forest and to stop the curse of these spirits, which we'll talk about later, um, they have to destroy the dam and let all this water out and that's going to destroy everything on the fjord including Arendelle. They do that and then last minute Elsa gets resurrected from the dead and comes and uses her mighty ice and water powers to stop the flood from reaching Arendelle. And I could scream at how much I hate that scene every single time my daughter asks to watch watch Frozen 2 because I'm like, no! Arendelle, the buildings, the people are safe. The people are off, apparently being ruled by trolls, which I don't know why the trolls just don't take over at this point of the monarchy, but they're not. <laughs> anyway, but they're, be, they're, they're not on the fjord. They're somehow surviving elsewhere. We don't really see them after the beginning, so we don't know how they're doing, but we assume good. And so they can destroy Arendelle. It's, it's just buildings. That's all that's there. Buildings and memories, you know, people's memories and houses and homes, and that's sad. But then they can rebuild alongside the North Alder people and really start this new reign of, like, working together and coming together and making sure that they're all listening to each other and to nature since nature spirits are there and very powerful blah 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 and they don't do that and so I don't even know if the North Aldera ever really even or the Arendellian people ever they if they ever have contact yeah it doesn't show any coming together at all now you compare that with the ending of Encanto spoilers the house Casita gets destroyed the magic gets wiped out tem- temporarily, but it gets wiped out and the house, the ca- magic casita gets destroyed. And then they're going to rebuild and all the people from the village that they've helped for so many years come and they're like, we don't have magic, but we can work together and we can rebuild. And they rebuild with no expectation that it's going to be magical again, with no expectation of their powers coming back, with only the expectation that now they're going to move forward and be okay with not being perfect. And then if the magic comes back, and I still don't know how I feel about that, like, part of me was happy because they did get the coming together thing and rebuilding, but part of me was also like, but 
what's the point of the magic now? <laughs> what was the point of the magic in the beginning? <laughs> Sorry. I have a lot of questions about Encanto. But yeah, I do agree with you that... But I love Encanto. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Encanto. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think one of the reasons why I like it is because... I like being in that world. I like the town. I like the the characters. I like spending time there. Like, if it was a TV show, I would watch it, you yeah. know? I think my biggest issue with this movie is the storytelling. And like you were saying, like, I... Something about me, <laughs> I hate open endings very much. Me and Laura have discussed it many times that I hate open endings. I like everything wrapped up in a pretty little bow and <laughs> to understand everything. I like big reveals. I like heist movies and heist stories because they show you how everything is done at the end. And when that doesn't happen, it bugs me. And that is something that Encanto does where they have this magic and this family, you know, and the magic is going away. It never explains why the magic is going away. It doesn't explain why the magic well, came in the first place. Why the magic is going away, actually. It's the abuela's expectations on them. They they get so stressed out. And so I think this is my theory. That's what I'm saying is everybody has a theory about why the mag- like but why Maribel didn't. But it says it in there that the abuela is the one hurting the magic because of her expectations of perfection from them. She doesn't actually allow them to develop their talents naturally. She only allows them to do it the way that she sees fit. Like they're only doing things to make the family happy. They're not actually living their own lives. Right. But Maribel says that. Yeah, Maribel says that to us. And that, and then the house breaks. Yeah. So, but it doesn't explain that, like, I don't know. It doesn't have an explanation as to why the magic was there and therefore why the magic was, why Maribel didn't get a gift. Why was there, like, a blip in the middle of the magic instead of, um, like, I could understand if the magic just started going away, but it didn't just start going away. Ten years before, Maribel didn't get a door. But then... Abuela has not learned anything. She's not made anything better. And yet Antonio gets a door. So the logic of the her making everybody stressed and imperfect or stressing to be perfect doesn't hold up because she had that expectation for Antonio just as much as she had that expectation for Maribel. Yet Maribel didn't get a gift. Okay, so I don't care so much about Maribel not getting a gift because she's has the butterfly symbolism thing which represents so you made a point earlier that you thought the casita the house was the grandfather's spirit yeah that was something i i got off of social media i think i was a tiktok somebody else like that was somebody else's theory but i i like it i haven't watched the movie with that in mind but i do like it i thought not necessarily that she's a reincarnation of her grandfather not that but more that he was like her guardian spirit like walking along beside her that's why the butterfly symbolism because when he dies the butterfly symbolism is really heavy mm-hmm. and she has butterflies on her dress the butterfly symbolism is really heavy with Mirabelle as well so I thought it was that he was coming and being like we need someone you know on the outside of having those special powers to use their talents because she does have talents she just doesn't have like magical gifts to use their talents to look into it and and heal it and stop it and help it and so i i didn't think the casita was the grandfather's spirit necessarily or i mean it could be it could be both he could both be in the house and be watching over maribel but i was always i'm always ticked 
that she doesn't at least get a room that's not the nursery. Like, what is up with that? Like, even if she doesn't have a power, she doesn't just get, like, a nice... It doesn't have to be huge and massive and magical. But she doesn't get, like, a nice little room. Yeah, exactly. I always thought it was messed up. (laughs) Well, and that's, like... That's the thing, is because the way that the magic... I don't know. The way that they do it (laughs) is that the magic gives you a room. And that room has, like, your door and everything that you need to foster your gift. Right? And the gift that the the magic candle is giving to you. The miracle is giving to you. And it's it's frustrating. Like, I again, I promise I like this movie. (laughs) But, like, it's frustrating to me because it never... Like, so many people think, like, oh, well, Maribel is supposed to be the new matriarch of the family. And so she's not going to get her own room until Abuela dies. And then she'll take over Abuela's room. Because Abuela doesn't have powers either. And she's... I thought it was weird. I would have thought that she... Because how does she... Yes, she gets a magic house... Mm-hmm. within the candle but how on earth did she know to stand her children in front of a door in a like in well the hallway? she had triplets and so like three doors appeared and they had their initial on the doorknob so she was like open it and then magic oh. happens i guess that i guess i just thought it was weird that she also didn't have a power and yet no one like she's mad at mirabelle for not having a power and i'm looking at her like but i mean i know she's the one who brought the power her tears her grief her everything is her vulnerability that was another one that i heard was like any time that um abuela was vulnerable that was when the magic was strong but when the more prideful she was trying to hide the magic that was what was hurting it was her her pride versus her vulnerability which goes in with what see i i don't think the movie doesn't explain the magic personally i think mirabelle's rant to the abuela and then when abuela becomes vulnerable again you know with her saying i understand now shows that the magic somehow is connected to her and somehow connected to butterflies and and somehow connected to her husband dying and somehow but see i don't care about connected to a candle I don't care about the somehows as much as you do. You're, you're more know. frustrated than, by this <clears throat> than me. And I, I think it's important for the storytellers to know the connections. I do think that. I think if you're going to write a story, you need to know everything, even if everything is not in the story, because sometimes it's just inconsequential. Like, yeah. You should know how the plumbing system works in your world, but not always the readers or the watchers need to know how the plumbing system works. You know what I mean? Stuff like yeah. that. So I think I would hope the writers understand and know the connection and had an explanation. Maybe even we're going to put it into the movie and then when they were editing or putting it together, saw that it didn't fit, made it run too long, it didn't flow, whatever the reason. That's what I like to think. That's just me defending (laughs) the fact that I'm okay with. Well, and I think, I mean, and that's one thing, like, I'm okay, I can watch it, but and and be fine i can't watch frozen 2 and be fine like that's the difference it's like i can watch encanto probably a couple hundred more times and be fine i will still because there's the theories there's the oh i like this and 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 really it can be whatever you need it to be like that one of the things about this movie is that it is representation for so many people um not necessarily just like the colombian people because it takes place in colombia yeah but like strong women (laughs) you know it has representation for that it has representation for people who feel you know like pressure to be perfect like there's a lot of 
the, the reason why so many people like this movie is because they feel seen in it. Like yeah. Maribel feels like everybody in her family is special except for her. Like, but and people she's relate to that. yeah, and people relate to that. But she's has a really good attitude about it, and and you know, and and is a really good role model for those types of people. And so that is one of the great. Like I can watch this movie and be happy yeah. about it. And even though the storytelling bothers me. Frozen 2, I cannot. <laughs> no, because they go backwards from any progress that they did make in Frozen, which I'm not a huge fan of Frozen, and I've talked to Tay a lot about this. I think a big part of it is because... Well, I didn't like it when I saw it in theaters, first off. I was like, eh. But then I also worked with children right after it had come out, and I was just like around everything frozen for so long <laughs> bombarded just, with let it go bombarded oh my gosh it was just I, I think that's why i'm not a huge fan of the first frozen there's also issues with the storytelling in frozen and we'll talk about that as well on another podcast but i want to circle back to encanto because another representation that i saw a commenter make because one of my favorite songs from encanto is under pressure surface pressure surface pressure thank you uh which Louisa sings mm -hmm. and I think of everybody I probably identify I will I identify like little pieces of everyone's personality but the same yeah but the feeling of the pressure I I like that song for a long time that was me putting that pressure on myself I should know by the way not not I don't think anyone else was putting that pressure on I just was a perfectionist growing up and so that but someone wrote in there that a lot of gifted kids feel that way and it's actually that pressure that causes them because there's been studies that if you're really gifted in school and you're in these gifted programs and stuff you don't actually do as well later in life mm -hmm. once you're outside of the school environment and their theory was it's something like louisa like they the pressure just never lets up and you crumble eventually because anyone would Right. And I felt that and I did crumble. There were a few years where my grades went down and I wasn't doing well in school. I wasn't doing well in life, actually. And it just reflected in the schoolwork and everything. And it took realizing that I had this perfectionist attitude. It took me going through therapy <laughs> and all this stuff to kind of let go of that. And Which, like, Isabella, the one that grows the roses, that's, yeah, like, that's, that's, that's the journey that she has to go through on her song. So I, I identify with the song that Louisa sings of the pressure and feeling that growing up because I was considered, like, a gifted child or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I just could read really well. I was just a big lover of books. And so people, and I was, because I could read really well and I re could remember what I studied, I did, I tested well. I don't remember what I actually tested on, but I could remember it long enough to take the test and test well. And so I was considered like a gifted child. So I identify with Louisa as far as the surface pressure, but then Isabella's song is like me finally discovering that I didn't, I could do something and it didn't have to come out perfect. Because for the longest time I was like, if I'm not presenting myself as perfect, no one's going to like me. Right. And finally, and then Isabella's thing is, you don't have to be perfect you can just be you and it and it can just be fun and so i i really like i i, I feel like i identify with mirabelle the least and it, it's more like i'm like half of her sister you know one half of louisa one half of isabella <laughs> um and i like that they made louisa even though she's the, this big and strong one she's not necessarily masculine i suppose yeah so I'm a bigger girl, yeah. and anytime I can find, like, 
a bigger girl who is uh, straight and, you know, is living that life. Like, She's feminine. Feminine. She likes unicorns. She wears skirts. She cries. Yeah. Like, strong women who are feminine. And, like, that is something that I feel like I have am always looking for in media and I loved seeing her and I loved seeing the um that song I felt like seen seen (laughs) yeah I felt seen and I and I really love that song I think that that song uh can be in any aspect of your life that you feel like you're under pressure for that you feel like you should be doing or you should have this and you don't or you're trying really hard like I really feel like it's a good song and like and all of them are and um we don't talk about Bruno has now surpassed <laughs> it surpassed let it go it is surpassed it's on par with uh it's it passed Lion King. It, it was on par with I don't remember which one, but it hasn't it hasn't quite reached Aladdin, which is the highest grossing Disney film um, ever. But it is not Disney film. Uh, the song Whole New World. I have to go change my child's diaper, <laughs> so I don't know what you want to do. We can pause. Okay, we can pause. I'm gonna go change my child's diaper. Hello and welcome back. <laughs> you were probably only gone for like half a second. So uh, really just welcome us back. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about Encanto and we were talking about how uh, I don't even remember what we were talking about. <laughs> I remember talking about how I identified like half with Louisa and half with Isabella, like at different points in my life. Uh, yeah. And I feel like anybody who goes under any type of pressure can definitely relate to any of the uh, to Louisa's song and then Isabella's song when when they when they <laughs> figure out like what else can I do what what awesome things am I capable of if I'm not trying to be perfect um, that was where we left off and then I had to change diapers and okay so <laughs> um one of the other things that I think uh comparing it to Frozen 2 or comparing it to other um, you see actual character growth? Yeah. It, so, okay. So, <laughs> one of the big issues, again, that I have with Frozen 2 is there's just straight-up character assassination in Frozen 2. They take all of the character growth that they did in Frozen 1, which wasn't even a lot. Um, but I kind of forgave that in Frozen because it's just, like, it's just a cute world. It's just a cute, you know, <laughs> story. There was a lot of tropes that I didn't like, but it was fine, you know. Uh, where, but then in Frozen 2, they take all of that, um, everything that they created and ruin it. (laughs) Also pushing Anna and Olaf away, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's the exact opposite. It's her learning the same lesson, uh, again. It's like the problem I have with Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life. It was like watching season six and seven all over again, but somehow worse. (laughs) Definitely worse. (laughs) Well, so, Rory was definitely doing worse things. I mean, she had already slept with a married man by that point. Sorry, Gilmore Girl spoilers, by the way. But, like, that's literally what it reminds me of is learning the same lesson over again. That's how I felt watching A Year in the Life of Gilmore Girls. I was talking with my mom 
and my mom is the one that introduced me to Gilmore Girls. We used to watch it as it came out on TV together when I was young, and all the adult jokes just went over my head because I was like eight years old when it yeah. started, right? <laughs> um, but I, I loved it, and I identified with Rory when I got older for a lot of reasons. I By the time I was 16, it was just my mom and me living in the house because my dad unfortunately passed away. So I identified with having a really close relationship with their mom. I went to a uniform school of my own volition. No one forced me. I chose to go to a uniform school. And as I said before, I was kind of a perfectionist, studious person um, for a long time. I was very much worried. I was a bookworm. I read, I would go to the library, get 15 books, and I'd have them read in the two weeks and returned and get 20 books to hopefully fill out the two weeks you know so I was with Rory all the way up until probably around season four which is funny because that's kind of also my life got messed up like senior year of high school early college year mm-hmm. <laughs> so you think I'd still identify with Rory but I feel like her anyway but like I feel like she learns lessons in Gilmore Girls and then we come back to a year in the life and so does Lorelai and then we go to a year in the life, and Lorelai and Rory are, like, back to where they were around season four time. Yeah, I I agree with that. A year in the life was depressing. <laughs> it was. So I was talking with my mom, and my mom doesn't like Gilmore Girls anymore because of the what a year in the life did. And I told her, I just don't consider it canon. I know it technically is. I just don't. I leave it at the end of season seven, and that's where I leave it off. Rory goes off. And... She doesn't have to become this worldwide famous journalist, but she doesn't become what she does in the year well, of life. Honestly, I don't I don't have a problem with her like her career path. I feel like if they would have just stuck with that, that's understandable. She wanted to be a writer and being a writer is hard. I am a writer, I understand. I would have had no problem like her career issues that she had in a year in the life didn't bother me at all. What bothered me was all of her personal choices. Yeah, all of her personal choices were horrible they were crappy and she treated people so badly and we're still supposed to root for her and that is one of the things that i don't like about frozen 2 as well is that uh they treat people badly and then we're supposed to root for them as a hero and i hate that and that is one of the things like that is one of the things that i liked about encanto circling back is the fact that i really hate the mean old lady trope that's one of the reasons I didn't like Coco. <laughs> That's one of the reasons, like, I don't like Madagascar. Like, or I don't like that part in Madagascar. Like, I, I Madagascar. Well, so they have an old lady, and she turns out to be, like, she, like, beats up the lion, like, with her purse or whatever. And they... Sorry, I have to feed my child's snack. Keep talking. Um, and they take that trope... And they use it in all of the subsequent movies. And it gets more ridiculous and more ridiculous and more ridiculous as it goes on. And it drives me nuts. I don't think it's funny. I don't like mean old lady things. And in this movie, in Encanto, oh my gosh, I got so mad at the grandma. I was like, oh, I want to slap that lady so hard when she's like being mean to Maribel and like telling her to just like... uh, not help and everything like let other people do it i was just like oh i want to smack her (laughs) like i was so angry but what happened in encanto that didn't happen in coco and doesn't happen in all of the other ones that do that was that she finally stood up to her 
told her what she was doing wrong and they fixed it and she realized that she wasn't being grateful for her family she was being grateful for the magic and that was the problem and all this like she has growth she changes into a person that is worthy of the respect that she was getting and she also realizes the trauma what effect the trauma had on her yeah I think that was really big. She's like, I was so scared. Like, underneath all this, I don't I want to say anger, but, like, the her being the way she was toward Mirabelle, being so afraid, it really was, at the heart of it, just absolute fear of losing what she had. You don't have to be outside, baby. That's okay. Sorry, you're going to have fun editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you might hear my toddler now and then, and that's fine. Um... Anyway, but she, I love that she recognized where all those feelings and where those actions were coming from. Because at the root of everything, anger, for mo- most of the time, sometimes anger is just anger. But a, some, a lot of the time, it's covering up fear or mm-hmm. sadness. It's covering up, a, covering up a secondary emotion that makes us feel vulnerable. And we don't like to feel vulnerable. We want to feel powerful. And anger makes you feel powerful. Again, sometimes anger is just anger. But in this case, it was clouding her trauma and her issues that she hadn't gotten over and she starts finally that healing process because of Mirabelle. Why do you change your mind every five seconds? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think it it leans into the theory that the magic is tied to uh, the grandma's um, vulnerability. It definitely um, lends to that. Is that when she is presenting herself as not being traumatized, you know, as this perfect family who has this perfect miracle, like whenever she's doing that and putting pressure on her family, uh, that's when things start acting up and, and the magic starts going away. But when the people, like when Isabella realizes she doesn't have to be perfect, she doesn't have to marry someone just to make the family happy. She does, you know, she can just create anything she wants with these plants and can express herself the way that she wants to express herself and and she can actually learn to do things other than just be perfect. Like you know, like I'm going to learn how to do more things. Um I think that that is one of those things that uh that you're talking about. <laughs> and I have a point. <laughs> Go ahead. Top are fun. Okay, um, I also think there's this, and it's still prevalent, I think, especially in a lot of, well, I shouldn't say even just in matriarchal societies, I think it's still prevalent in a lot of places, is that we think being strong is exactly what a brela, a abuela showed at the beginning yeah we think that's what being strong is and what being strong really is is what happened with Luisa what happened with Isabella especially realizing that you don't have to be that way that it's okay to be imperfect it's okay to to have emotions and show them and express them in a healthy manner that lets you get through them being strong isn't burying all your emotions down and putting up this front that's really harsh and strict being strong is being is being kind even after what life has done to you and having emotional intelligence okay so i'm going to i'm 
I'm going to share something. So I have someone in my life and, and we, uh, me and my family member have discussed this and it's, it's tying in there. So I have someone in my life who, um, I, I won't say any names, but they are basically making a career out of the trauma that they have experienced, which is, uh, and so they have, and they're putting blame. They're, they're blaming their trauma on a certain organization <laughs> and making that their, their basis of their career and asking like social media, like this is how I found out is they're asking social media to support them, you know, like come to this, uh, event or, you know, donate to here, or, you know, like stuff that you post on social media all the time. Um, and it's very difficult for me, one, because I know this person's trauma and I know other people around them that have had way worse trauma and I don't want to minimize anyone's trauma, but I do want to say that people who I consider strong are the people who went through trauma, whether it was big, whether it was small, they went through that trauma and they dealt with it. They, yeah. they, they did what they need to do, whether it was therapy, whether it was, you know, taking time away, whatever it was, they dealt with it in their own way, um, to help them get through it. They don't deny it. They don't pretend like it's not there, but they also don't let it, they don't let themselves be victims forever. And this person literally making a career out of being a victim for trauma that is not traumatic for thousands of other people, basically. Like, she went through something that thousands of other people are going through and are not traumatized from. So, Which is trauma... I just need to point this out. I know you're not saying this. I'm just <laughs> clarifying because I think people might come after you and say this. Right. You can go through something that won't be traumatic for someone else and it traumatizes you and it could be predicated on past experiences on your personality I'm for example I'm I think I'm a person who's very easily traumatized I've overcome a lot of trauma in my life but I think I'm someone who's more easily traumatized than others because I have a very positive happy view of the world <laughs> for the most part and whenever that is shattered it's traumatizing yes and I think it's now I'm more what's the sadder but wiser yeah. But I can understand how I went through experiences that traumatized me, but other people were like, how on earth did that? So I just want to say that just because I yeah. know that's not what you're saying, <laughs> but I want to defend you against people who are going to come against you to clarify. Yeah, I think what... Saying it's not traumatizing. <laughs> well, I think what to me the problem is, is that she is taking advantage of these thousands of people that have gone through the same thing and telling them to be victims rather than heal. It's allow yourself to be a victim, allow yourself to continuously be a victim rather than getting over the trauma. Like you can admit that you had trauma and get over it. Whereas she is saying live in it. And I very much disagree with living in your trauma. Okay. So, uh, I was just saying, I don't approve of people living in victimhood. And while she has gone through what thousands of other people have gone through, and she is trying to, like, the point of her inviting people to things on Facebook or whatever is to get all those thousands of people together so that they can also live in victimhood. And rather than trying to heal from the trauma, live in the trauma and 
I think that that is a very dangerous thing because they're telling people because you are a victim, you're entitled to X, Y, and Z. And I don't think that that's true. I think that because you are a victim, you're going to have to do things to deal with it and to not be a victim anymore. Well, and I'm, you and I are both very big believers in your feelings do affect your physical and mental Mm -hmm. health. There's been lots of studies on stress, and I anticipate lots more studies being done on other negative emotions. There is, there have been studies on done on anger as well. Raises your blood pressure, which is really bad. So does stress. I think other emotions do as well. And so, I was talk, talking to a friend who also who's going through went through a lot of trauma, and then was going through some new trauma, and it was just all like a lot for her. And her physical health started to decline immensely, but she wasn't doing anything to take care of the physical needs while she was dealing with the mental, if that makes sense. And I remember saying to her, she's like, you know, I know I need to go off these foods because they're hurting me because she had health issues from these foods. She's like, but it's so hard for me. I just can't. And I said, well, one of two things is going to happen. And these are the only two things that can happen. Either you choose to now and you help your body heal and then you take care of your mind or you don't choose to and your body will force you to it will it won't give you a choice and i've been in that position i think this was right off right before i met you was by i think you met me after i was everything free right Mm -hmm. yeah okay so before i met taya which was a long time ago but Mm -hmm. i was in a similar position where my physical health declined to the point where i had no choice i had to go on an extremely i was eating chicken turkey fish rice and water and eggs nothing else at all (laughs) oh well and vegetables i should say that's made it sound like i only ate meat and vegetables vegetables and rice and chicken sometimes fish sometimes turkey never did get learn how to cook turkey well but anyway but like my body chose for me because i didn't make that choice beforehand and so and a lot of it looking back that was right before i entered therapy a lot of it was stress and anger and negative emotions and it started affecting my body physically and I still have some of those effects to this day physically because of just how much I my body went through and now my body's so used to not eating all these foods <laughs> so if you are a person who's gone through trauma everyone heals differently it takes time to to go through it and everyone's going to deal with it differently but someday you either have to face it and get the help that you need that's specific to you to get through it or your body will choose for you to deal with other things but the root cause or at least the contributing facts or at the very least could be said negative emotions my yeah. opinion as a non-medical person based <laughs> on my own life experience so i have a, a a really great example of this so my mother you know is a workaholic yes. legitimately a workaholic she has like there's a there's a uh, a lyric in surface pressure and in Encanto where she says I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service that is 100% my mother's mentality growing up and she didn't have that expectation for anyone else like just like everybody else got a break and was totally like had their worth had their value no matter what 
but her she had to be working she had to be useful in order to be worthwhile and useful in the way that she thinks is useful yeah exactly she had to be doing something so my mom uh she went to school full-time worked full-time taught us like she homeschooled us kids all at this like all of that at the same time and she didn't ever slow down like i she worked at my school when i finally went to school she was a teacher at my school full-time she was a uh ob tech full-time and uh and was you know raising a family had a husband like when did she sleep that's always my question (laughs) she well she slept in four hour increments uh usually about four hours a day (laughs) and and that was just like that was just how she functioned because she had all and and when we say negative emotions that doesn't mean you can never get mad or you can never have a negative emotion otherwise you're gonna have some physical problem yeah. it's prolonged negative emotions but negative emotions that you don't process in a healthy manner right so my mom got addicted to oh I don't know, cortisol the stress hormone yeah so she got basically addicted to the stress hormone so even when she was doing things that were absolutely like she would be planning a party planning a party can be stressful but my mom is like a professional at it and does amazing jobs all the time but she can't do it without stressing herself out and it would drive my dad crazy (laughs) because he's like why are you stressing don't do it if you're stressing and she's like but i love it you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. so that was but um so what happened was my mom came down with a chronic illness called fibromyalgia. Now, I know a lot of women with fibromyalgia who cannot get out of bed because the pain is, the pain is it's, it's basically it's your, your, nerves. your nerves are telling your brain that you're in pain. Whether or not you're in pain, whether or not something bad is happening to you, your, your nerves are saying you're in pain. And so people, I mean, People have to stay home. They have to sit down. They have to relax. And like any stress at all will flare up this condition. So how can you be a person who is addicted to stress, who has a condition that when you have stress, you are in pain? Well, healthy as my mom was, she decided to work through the pain, which bad idea. Um, But she did it. She did it for years. Or not, maybe not, maybe like a year. Until she finally dealt with the trauma of it. She dealt with why, like, and she had to do a lot of soul searching, a lot of therapy. And she did that throughout the years. But when the fibromyalgia finally told her that she needed to stop, like, you cannot keep doing this. Um, And she finally understood, like, what her body was trying to tell her. And she did a lot of... Um, like recognizing negative emotion, recognizing uh, bad mental uh, beliefs. And she did the work, you know, she did the work to figure it out. And now she does not have fibromyalgia flare-ups. The the only time she had a fibromyalgia flare-up in years has been when she got COVID. (laughs) Which is understandable. Right. That's a stressful situation. No, when you were talking about like, People with fibromyalgia have to lie down and relax. I was like, your mom? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so, and that was, that, that's how bad she is, you guys. She's a workaholic. And, but, and she still is a workaholic. Like she still 
but she doesn't have the mentality of I am not worth it. She has the mentality that she understands she's addicted to the stress. She says she really likes it. She tries to calm down. My dad is much more understanding. He's still a punk about it, but he's much more understanding of what's going on. And she has not had flare-ups in years other than the COVID. And any time that she does, it's a trigger for her to know, okay, what am I internalizing? What negative emotions am I not dealing with that is making me flare up your body will send you signals yeah your body knows it's kind of like we talk about that gut feeling that people have and it's i don't i think scientists have probably if anyone knows out there i'm sure studies have been done on it and all we really know is Mm -hmm. like a gut feeling like natural instinct yeah basically but a lot of the times our gut is correct and our gut can get messed up from things like anxiety etc which is why it's important to work through that and understand the difference between is this an anxiety attack or is this like a legitimate gut feeling about something because anxiety will make you feel anxious about everything mm. in your gut right <laughs> but your body will send you signals it does it sends us signals when we're tired we yawn we rub our eyes we feel tired our brain starts to the function isn't as high so I, it makes sense to me that your brain would also send you signals when you need to slow down and rest yeah and again the effects of stress over prolonged periods of time have been studied really bad for you it's good in short spurts to get you moving that adrenaline rush is good in short spurts it's needed a lot of times it's needed for people in combat it's needed for people doing things that are hard or scary or difficult for them but if you're always constantly stressed that's not good for your health and you need to recognize that and see what you can do in your life to minimize that stress and part of that I think is asking for help which I also can't imagine your mom doing (laughs) Uh, so that was funny so okay so how my mom came to this conclusion was actually me talking to her uh we were on a road trip together i have no idea where we were going why we were on a road trip together yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i was like i explained to her like mom it is so obvious that this is happening to you and this is the mentality and she was like oh yeah and she did the work from it yeah and and she wasn't so prideful that she couldn't listen and interpret it correctly because sometimes people will speak into your life yeah and it's not true and you have to be the determiner but she listened to you and she recognized that it was something she could work on yeah and she did and it was very good and (laughs) and we all struggle uh with our own things and and I don't want to say like you know oh if you have fibromyalgia you know be positive and then you'll be healed that's no. not what I'm saying I'm saying that my this was the situation for my mom where her body was like okay you need to stop and if you're not going to stop I'm going to stop you yeah. and that was what happened with her and she listened took a long time but she listened to her body and, and was able to continuously hold that uh that medical I have so many examples in my life. I'm not going to share because I don't have permission from these people Mm -hmm. um, who I happen to know are extremely private. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) No, the the, the people that I'm talking about, I know for a fact, even if I asked, I probably, they they would very, very hesitantly give me a maybe. Yeah. Like, they're just very, very private. And so part, some of the examples I can't share because it involves other people, but I have so many examples in my life of emotions of how you live your life as far as your mentality lead 
to so many problems in life, including physical ailments. And mental illness leads to physical ailments. When I was a kid, I had depression and anxiety as a child, and it wasn't discovered until I was an adult. But there was a period, time period I was about 10 years old, 11, 9, 10, 11, in that age range, and I was having constant stomach pains. And I went to the doctor and he did all these tests on me. I had to drink so many disgusting things. I got ultrasounds. I got things like cameras shoved down that like they they searched everything they could physically to see why I was having this constant horrible stomach pain and they came up with nothing now I know that depression and anxiety both lead to stomach pains and stomach issues which I had a lot growing up and so it's interesting looking back I can see all the physical side effects of mental issues that unfortunately were not discovered when I was a child and I'm not mad or upset at anyone for it because I thought I was normal I had had it since I was so young I didn't think to tell anybody hey this is how I think and feel mm -hmm. because it was how I always thought and felt I thought it was just the norm right so I'm not mad at anybody or anything but it was it's just interesting looking back once I learned about how your mental health also affects your physical health and it makes sense because your brain is a physical part of your body yeah. and it controls literally everything yeah. so there's something that's not quite right if you have some chemical imbalance like i did or anything in your brain it makes sense that it would affect you physically your emotions affect your thoughts your thoughts affect it is a, it's, a, it's a circle yeah what you think affects how you feel how you feel affects like your brain and the chemicals in your brain which affect then in turn affects your physical health yeah and it, round and round the cycle goes and because you're in bad physical health you have more negative thoughts which leads to more negative feelings which leads <laughs> round and round we go in the circle yeah um, and so sometimes we need it takes a third party like Maribel with the abuela, like you with your mom, like a therapist with me who was very straightforward, which at that time I needed someone to look at me and be like, you know what, you're acting kind of crazy. Yeah. That's what I needed. Not everybody needs that. Yeah. <laughs> I needed that. But you need sometimes a third party to speak into your life good things. Not, you know, don't have people who are misunderstand you talk to you about it. And that's why it's different for everybody. I needed a therapist. Your mom needed you. Abuela needed Maribel. Yeah. It's going to be different for everybody. Right. And I think that a lot of people can come to those conclusions and those aspects on their own. It's just very rare because it's so hard to see within your own picture. Like, if you're looking at a picture, it's like, oh, well, obviously there's someone standing behind you. But if you're in the picture, you don't see who's standing behind you. Yeah. No, that's why it's really important to have a good, supportive, social... Um, circle that's the word i'm looking for okay. whether it's family whether it's friends church school work summer you need people who are on your side and tell you things a true friend will tell you when you're being crazy when you're messing up when you're doing something that's wrong and not in a way that they're trying to control your life but in right. a way like hey i'm actually concerned for you this is my thought and my feel these are my thoughts and feelings i've done that for friends before and i've even gone as far as being like hey i'm gonna say this and I'll stop talking about it after this, but just so you know, yeah, I see you doing this and I see it harming you, but it's your life and your choice and I'm here no matter what you choose. Yeah, and one of the things that I, I know a lot of people are like probably out there like, these girls are crazy, skeptical, but as a writer, there's a thing called, you know, show, don't tell. Yeah. And I just want to explain like what we're kind of talking about here is like, if you tell, like if you write the character was angry, 
or if you say they clenched their fists, their heart started beating fast, they flared their nostrils, you know, like all of those are showing that they're angry. And it's like, if you honestly think that your emotions don't affect you physically, how can authors show someone being angry through physical, uh, through physical actions? Like when you are angry, you're, you clench your fists. Well, that is clenching muscles. That is, uh, hardening. Like that is, that is squeezing blood from your muscles and circulating it into the rest of your body. Your heart is pounding faster. That is stressful. Stress uh, makes your heart pound faster. Your and lips your lips tighten. That that uses the muscle in your face. Like all of those things are physical signs of anger. Your body is responding to your emotions, and so like that is what we're talking about. I I feel like a lot of people think like. Um, when they hear like this type of talk that they're like, Oh, my emotions don't affect me physically. Yes, they do. They automatically do whether you think they do or not. They automatically do. You know, it's like crying. You don't choose to cry when you're sad. You cry because you're sad. Like your body responds to your emotions. So it is a thing, whether or not you believe it can go as far as what you're talking about, you can't deny that your emotions affect you physically. (laughs) And I think sometimes it's like, there's a condition I'm born with. Mm-hmm. genetically right and that did lead to some of the health issues i think it was worsened by my mental state and worsened by my negative emotions 100 percent, because i still have the exact same gene mutation to this day that i had when i was younger before therapy and everything and i'm a lot healthier and better now than i was then so i know that my negative emotions weren't helping but i have a genetic mutation as far as i know there's no way for me to go in and like update my genes to not have this mutation that affects <laughs> my health <laughs> Right, exactly. As far as I know. I mean, if you guys know of a way, send it my way, because I'd like to be able to eat a lot of food. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to go back to eating food. I'm basically on the same diet that I said I was on earlier, except now I can have red meat. Yeah. Not just lean meat. But, yeah, it's insane to think. I Well, it's not insane to think. There's extremes on both ends there's extremes where you think your emotions are 100% always completely responsible for your physical health and then there's the other end where your emotions don't affect your health at all and I'm kind of you and I I think are a little bit over the line toward your emotions affect your health but it's not always the only cause right exactly and there are underlying causes yeah there's definitely underlying causes and everybody has to deal with I mean and there's environmental causes of where you live what you what you're breathing in what your daily routine is all of that affects everything so yeah I'm not saying everything that has to do with your health is all because of your emotions definitely not but anyway going back to uh Encanto Encanto the story that the start of it like that is what that is what the song is about is about this pressure that she feels that she can't relax if she relaxes she's worthless like she loses uh everything that makes her her and everything that makes her useful to the family she loses if she's not strong and that idea is so toxic because being strong like actually being strong uh requires that that downtime that self-care and things like that and i i think on the flip side a lot of the times you can take self-care to an extreme as well to the point where you're not actually taking care of yourself you're just justifying ill behavior i have thoughts on self-care i have shared this with you before (laughs) 
Okay, sorry, we're gonna switch locations. You can keep it going. We're just gonna switch locations real fast because my husband's gonna cook and it's gonna be loud. Okay. Let's just go in here. Macy's in the backyard with Rowan. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still sorting. And I have my hospital bag almost packed completely using diapers and stuff in there. Nice. But baby stuff is in there. Okay. You can sit on this. I'm sorry again. That just doesn't need to be all tossed. Okay. Okay. And her room gets is the hottest. So I'll put the fan out. Okay. We've changed locations. Sorry <laughs> about you guys are so glad that we changed this format now. <laughs> and we are all over the place, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I'm in my third trimester of pregnancy. I'm basically on bed rest. And so I have wonderful, wonderful family members who are coming and assisting with the things that I cannot do. And that just that's why there's a lot of people in my house. And then on top of that, I have a toddler, which is always chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, I have thoughts on the self-care thing. I can't not remember how far back, and I, I hope if this person ever listens that they're not offended, They but they put it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that it's okay for me to share. And I didn't comment on their post because I didn't want anyone to feel, I didn't want to start any sort right. of debate, but this is how I feel. So she was going through a really, really difficult time mentally and emotionally, mm -hmm. this person that I knew, a friend of mine. And she posted on Facebook, she's like, I have been doing... She's like, I have been getting my nails done. I have been making sure my hair and makeup is done every day. I dress nice. I take baths with, like, these really nice smelling things. I rest. I have, you know, planned to travel these places and everything. She's like, but I'm spending a lot of money, and that's stressing me out. But, like, I need it. I know I need self-care to take care of myself, but it's not making me feel better. She's like, I've been doing all of this, and it's not making me feel any better. And she's like, I think I might even feel worse. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, this is years ago, but this is her Facebook post. She's like, I've been doing all this stuff and it's not working. It's not making me feel better, but this is what everybody is telling me I need to do to feel better. This is what everyone's telling me is self-care. It's basically like having a spa day mm -hmm. a couple times a week and dressing nicely and taking trips and all this stuff. And I looked at her comments. I'm like, surely, surely someone's going to explain true self-care to her. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone was just validating, just keep going, just keep at it. Eventually it'll get better and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, but, but, but no. And there's nothing wrong with getting your nails done, with making sure your hair and makeup are good, making sure you dress nice and take trips. And well, I, I think, think that's helpful, but that's not. Well, I think self-care is going to look different for every single person. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. for one person looking at their nails and them being jagged and dirty or not not really done stressful. it's really stressful and it makes you feel less good about yourself when you yes. look in the mirror and you look like a schlub yes. and you're just like oh i hate myself i don't you know like all that just floods you with negative emotions for those people having a spa day having your hair done getting your nails that is self-care 100% but if you are not that person then getting that stuff done and stressing about money that is the opposite of self-care. And that's what I meant with people. Well, surely people are going to tell her true self-care because she was doing these things and it, there was no progress made. She'd been doing them for months mm -hmm. and there was no progress made in her mental or emotional state, if that makes sense. And yeah. so I was like, well, surely someone will like true self-care is finding out what you need, you personally, yourself, 
individually yeah. needs. Um, a couple examples are doing things like hair and makeup done and wearing nice clothes or is, is actually one of the things my therapist recommended to me. The worse I felt emotionally, the more time she said I should spend looking nice for the day. And now I even do that sometimes physically. I like the other day I was really, really, really sick and we found out it wasn't COVID. It was pregnancy stuff. I was, it was a lot. And I sat down and I did my hair super nice and pretty. And I dressed in a really nice dress. And I just sat on the couch and felt crappy. But at least I looked nice. Yes. And I felt good at least about that. So it can help with certain people. Um, another example is a lot of people recommend serving others as a form of self-care. Because you feel good when you serve others. You can physically see that you're helping someone. And I, I do recommend that except in specific circumstances. I was in the place in my life at one point where serving others did not help me because I, before therapy, I was convinced 100% that my, just my presence there was aggravating everyone around me, that they hated me, and that I was making it worse by being there. And so service was not what I needed to be doing, but that was what kept being recommended to me. Stop thinking about yourself, get outside of yourself and help others. And I was like, I would love to, but I feel like I'm hurting people. And that's how Mirabelle kind of feels in the movie yeah. at one point. Like, she's hurting the family just by being herself, just by being there. So I guess I do identify with Mirabelle a little bit, my past self. So that self-care is different for everybody. Maybe what she needs are not spa days constantly, you know, look nice. Mm -hmm. But maybe what she needed, maybe what she needed was to serve. Maybe what she needed was to go to therapy. Maybe what she needed was something I can't even think of right now. And I was hoping someone in the comments would say well, that, and no one did. If she's stressing about money, a lot of self-care uh, is to either budget or yeah. to have somebody else take over your finances. To get assistance. So I kind of, okay, yeah. hear me out. I, ha I came up with this theory as you were talking. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, you know how there's the five love languages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like you should have a self-care language. Mm. Like, all of us kind of have, like, different self-care languages. Yeah. So I have a brother and he stresses about money a lot. And he, when he was growing up and dating and things, he always figured, you know, he's the man of the house. He's going to, you know, provide for his family. He's going to be in charge of the finances and, you know, his wife will help out, you know, here and there, but like, he's going to be the one paying the bills. He's going to be the one in charge of the money. He just kind of always figured that, and, you know, he didn't, you know, expect it. He just kind of always figured it. Well, when he got married, he would get so stressed out and he's grumpy. He's mean when he's stressed <laughs> out. Like he's not pleasant to be around. And his wife was like, why don't I take over the finances for a little bit? And she did. And it was so much better. That was his self-care was having somebody else. Like he brought home the money, put it in the bank account. He, anytime they needed cash, like he kept his, he had a little stash of cash. He still does. I, I'm saying it like he doesn't do it anymore. He still does. He has a little stash of cash that is his, that he, if he, once he gets enough, he can buy a gun or whatever else he wants to buy, uh, yeah, your belt buckles. Begin, your family's big into like hunting and things. Yeah, we're they they love shooting and everything like that and country just, people. Skeet, yeah, they grew up on skeet, a ranch. Yeah, like, skeet what shooting. You talking and, about? Yeah, skeet shooting ranch and life. target shooting and all that stuff. They love. He loves that stuff, and he and he loves like belt buckles. So he'll buy himself a belt buckle or whatever it is that he has with this little this little piece of cash that he has to uh, have, but. Yeah, it was a form of self-care to have her take it over because it did not stress her out at all because she can she buys the groceries. She, you know, and, and he will tell her, like, I really like these chips, but they're actually the expensive chips. And his wife refuses to tell him whether or not they're the expensive chips because she's like, 
I want him to be happy and have the chips that he wants. But if he knows that they're, you know, $8 a bag versus $4 a bag for the cheap ones, he's going to get the cheap ones, even though they're not going to make him happy. So she like, you know, I know that my brother's not listening to this, so I don't feel bad at all. (laughs) She she budgets in a way that allows him to have the chips he wants. Exactly. Their family is still fed and they're still in a good financial position. Right. And that was, that was a form of self-care for him because it unloaded so much stress from him. And it didn't add stress to her. Like, it's not stressful for her, you know? Um, And so I think that um, you really have to just find what, like, if if money is stressing you out and, like, having to deal with that, find someone you trust, your mom or your spouse or whatever, to help you budget your money so that you feel confident in what you're spending and if service like helps you feel better then do service and I feel like if sort of like your love language is compliments one of the things is to look pretty so that you when you look in the mirror you compliment yourself you know like you feel better um and I think like people who like do the treat yourself type thing (laughs) shopping like that's giving gifts to you or you know like that's 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 a love language language. yeah that's like that is a self-care for you what about books what's your thought on books (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) i am well i'm a huge bookworm i think i mentioned it earlier Mm -hmm. i've slowed down my reading a little bit as i've gotten older because with kids it's hard to read during Mm -hmm. the day especially and at night i'm too tired sometimes but I love buying books more than anything. I love reading books. I love studying. Like that is, is that a love language? What love language would that be connected to? <laughs> um, what are the love languages? Let's go through. So there's, there's touch, physical touch. I think it's quality time. Quality time. Yeah, because when they talk about quality time, they talk about like uninterrupted time that you are spending with that person. So if mm-hmm. you are in a book, that is uninterrupted time that you are spending with yourself. That makes sense. I really, really love, like, I, my husband has a degree in psychology, a bachelor's degree, and he kept a lot, because he bought textbooks, he didn't just rent them, he bought, well, not all of them, but some of them he bought used, but still, and so he still has them, and I am currently reading one of his psychology textbooks just (laughs) for fun. Yeah. Well, not just for fun, to, there's an end goal in mind that I have, but part, but it is fun. I'm enjoying reading his psychology textbook and taking notes. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world is to just sit down with a book and a highlighter and pen and notebook and just dig into something or have discussions with people like this, listening to other podcasts where people discuss things. It's like an intellectual pursuit. Yeah. I just love learning, but I love learning in specific ways. Right, exactly. (laughs) Words specifically. Yeah. So I was just always wondering because my husband took me to the mall and his mom was there and his mom was saying hey you should treat your wife to like a surprise gift wouldn't that be nice Mm -hmm. and so he's like hey honey like anything you see in any shop in the mall you just if you say you like it I'll get it for you as like a nice little surprise gift and his mom was shocked that we passed by all these stores and I just was like "Eh, eh, eh." and then we got to a bookstore and my eyes lit up and I was (laughs) like can I pick out a book (laughs) and I think I got like three books that day actually because some of them are on sale (laughs) she was just like I never expect I thought she would pick like a nice dress or not not a not books basically so I I should say this is when I very we were very first married and so 
she didn't know me as a book person very well, probably <laughs> until that. Now she knows I am. Now she knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, so my love language is physical touch. And I was just thinking about this. One thing that I do to self-care, I did before they moved, curse you, Kingman, um, <laughs> is I would... I would go to my brother's house and spend time with my nieces and nephews because they would give me hugs and they would cuddle with me because they're little little. kids. And that was self-care to me. Like, I I mean, I didn't think of it that way, but I like I would have days where I'm like, you know what? I need like little kid hugs from my from kids that I love, not just random kids. But like, (laughs) yikes. Yeah. (laughs) Don't don't touch me, kids. Like sticky fingers, jam hands (laughs) from the Gilmore Girls. jam hands even if there's no jam in the house they have jam hands she's like he's 17 i don't think you have to, i think he's past the jam hand stage yes that's anyway. how well we know gilmore girls yes, I, I, know. I know exactly the episode the scene everything anyway i would go over to the children that i love my nieces and nephews and they would all hug me they would all tell me they love me and i would get that physical touch um that i you know that made me feel loved because Especially they were the second girl yeah aurora i didn't She's... know the name it was okay for me to throw out names so it is okay I've, yeah. I've asked them many times they've okay, yeah. they've Especially... given me permission to put their kids on youtube and everything like that so i i feel yeah. confident like i have permission from these people to talk aurora about and bricks are very 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 affectionate and not loving. that they and bail aren't i want that to be clear yeah but <laughs> i think their love language is more akin to yours yeah. than they and bail i think they's they and bail just have a different love language which i think is wonderful because then when they and bail give me hugs it means that much more <laughs> and but yeah so that is something that as someone whose love language is physical touch that is that is a, a treat for me is to go and be with them and now they live four hours away so it's sad so it's been <laughs> it's been hard i'm gonna have to find uh, a new way to do that maybe i need a boyfriend i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say you can be auntie taya to my kids yeah <laughs> but roman has is not very huggy yeah so that's probably not gonna be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure anyway so but yeah so i think you know whatever your love language is i think that you need to love yourself in that way yes and i was so shocked that no one in the comments and she had lots and lots lots of supportive people in her life which is wonderful and i i don't know how she's doing now i haven't been on facebook in a very very long time because it was bad for my mental health i started spiraling down so i haven't been on facebook or instagram that was part of your self-care is getting off it was because i'm a huge part of the perfectionist part of me is comparing and that's the one part that i still haven't quite worked through completely me either that was something that i struggled with all growing up i've done so much better i've made a lot of progress on it but i I still have to, uh, it, it's not, um, natural. Yeah. I still ha- I'm still constantly having to do it. Like I haven't gotten to the point where it's just natural. I don't compare myself anymore, yeah. but I do catch it now. See, I, and another thing with social media is I found out that I can be very, it's one of the things that I can get addicted to. I, I wasn't paying attention to things that needed my attention because I was be on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or something instead. So now I'm, I try to not be on my phone as much. I have better days than others, but progress is not a linear line. It's valleys and hills and, um, mm. what's the, what are I'm looking for? Valleys, hills. And then the thing that goes under, like ditches. Sometimes you have a really bad day, but then you climb back up and it's, you know. 
You know, I guess a ditch or something. You know, it's not linear. <laughs> a tunnel. <laughs> you go down, you go up. Progress is up and down. It's not linear. Yeah. Anyway, but I discovered two things. One, that it's very, it's extremely addictive for me. Mm-hmm. And two, that I end up in a really bad mental and emotional state when I'm on it because I compare myself so much. So I don't know how this friend is doing. I hope she's doing well. Um because she had a lot of supportive people around her which is great and i hope that she found her self-care but it just made me so sad because everyone was validating this thing that she was doing for months and months and no not no progress was made she didn't say only a little progress was made none was made and i was just like isn't the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again yet Mm -hmm. expecting different results and sometimes it's true that you have to keep progress you have to keep going with something in order to make progress but I felt like she had done it long enough. <laughs> that was my opinion. Maybe I could be wrong. I could, you know, I could go back in the history, back a few years, and maybe she kept doing it and eventually it did work for her. I don't know. I haven't checked up on her in yeah. years because I had been on Facebook for years. But it just made me sad that no one pointed anything out that would be different than what she was already doing. Well, now we're going to have to write a book, like, <laughs> how the five love languages affect your self-care. <laughs> hey, let's, yes. we're copywriting it. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're copywriting it. You're the writer. I mean, yes. I've written, but you're, you're definitely, I'm the talker, you're the writer. <laughs> so you write the book, I'll do the motivational speeches. There we go. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll come and also do speeches with me. But. Yes. No, our, my goal in life is to do motivational speeches. Taya also likes to do it, but she, you're more, you're, you write as well. Yeah. I can write. I'm not like a bad writer, but I don't have the urge or instinct yeah. to sit down and write stuff. So, you, so I'm going to ride your coattails. We've discussed this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to book all of the, all of the things and I'm going to be her opening act. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you'll help me write my speeches. Well, of course. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, I'm not, like, bad. I'm not, like, the greatest, but I'm not I'm not bad because I read a lot. I, I attribute it to the fact that I read so much. Yeah. I'm, like, a mimic. I can just mimic good writers, but I don't have any urge or instinct to be a good writer myself from my own. See, I'm horrible at mimicking. <laughs> See, that, that's why you're a writer. I, you, can, you write from your own I, perspective and I style. can read something, I will read it, and I will get the concept of it, and then I will compare it to something in my own life, and I will be like, this is how this works. Here's a story that illustrates this point. <laughs> and that's why I think like we talk about themes so much in our reviews uh, of movies is because I am always constantly looking for a theme in a story because that's how... I mean, that's how I was taught everything. Like, I learn so much better when things are metaphors in stories. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That is no, just same. how my brain works. It just clicks for me when it's in a story. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that represents that and that represents that and that represents, oh, that makes perfect sense. Like, all the time. <laughs> no, same. And, well, it, it's a combination of that and I understand intellectual lingo. My dad had a genius IQ. Which he would probably smack me for telling people because he was very, very, very humble about it. And he felt that IQ was the worst way possible to measure intelligence. But he was extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. He did the highest math he possibly could do in university. He was one of the very first computer programmers ever. He was the first in the door getting that degree, programming computers, doing all this stuff. He He was very scientific and everything. He was kind of like Spock in a way of like sometimes the way he spoke and his attitude a little bit. So I grew up understanding a lot of 
higher theories and intellectual lingo and all this, you know, kind of goop. My mom calls it googly duke. <laughs> I can I can hear it and it makes sense to me. Um, but I'm also I'm also a creative person. I grew up doing a lot of art stuff. My mom is also very creative and story oriented, and so I have this weird where like I understand the intellectual googly doop. But I also, and the thing that I gravitate toward is, and on the creative side is when we would watch movies, my mom would point out underlying themes. She would point out, you know, they said this, but they, what they really meant was this because this is their emotion and this is what in their life led to it. And so I, I grew up looking for, okay, they said that or they did that, but what's the real? Yeah. What's the real thing? And so I think that's why things like philosophy made sense to me as well. It was a combination of, I understand the intellectual stuff, but I also have this, okay, but let's look deeper right. into things. But, but I had the immense pleasure of having parents who were opposites in a way that benefited both sides of my brain. And and it really worked out. And I'm sorry, dad, but I don't have math skills. <laughs> he had math skills, I don't. But I can oh, understand the either. theory because he explained the theory to me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's so funny, like, because I feel so I grew up um, in the the LDS church and Christ taught through parables. And so I learned a lot of everything like that. Like my my mom taught me and I was homeschooled until seventh grade and my mom would teach me and my brother and and the other kids that were in our homeschool group, like she would teach in that way. And when she taught history, she taught history through stories and like, okay, what does this, like, how did this affect everything? Like, how did this do everything? And then I suck at math. <laughs> I, I am so, I feel bad because I'm a writer and it's like stereotyped that writers are bad at math. And there are so many good writers out there who are really great at math and I am not one of them. I am the stereotype <laughs> of a bad mathematician who is a writer. Um, and so like the ones that I would understand, like the way that like fractions got explained to me and everything, my mom would find ways to be like, put it into a story, make it like look like visual charts, which I'm a very visual person. Laura's not. No. And so <laughs> the worst thing for me yeah, my mom, like when it was explained to me like a story or like, then it made sense to me. And that's, uh, how I got like through high school and through math and, and everything that I, that was required um, was learning it that way. The opposite of the way that you learn. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say for me, I have to know the why behind. If I understand the why behind mm -hmm. something, I can figure it out. Yeah. And so that was, I, that was my number one question in math. We had a critical thinking class that I attended at my school and I got like an award for best questions. And honestly, all I ever really did was like, why? Why does it have to? Be? I, I annoyed my teachers, I'm sure, especially <laughs> my math ones. Because like a I little kid. To understand the why? 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 Well, I was like, okay, well, why do we have to do it this way? Because I did it this way and I got the same answer. Well, you won't get the same answer every time. But why? Why is it yeah. done? The, I, I, I'm sure I annoyed them. I am sorry, teacher. <laughs> History, I loved. And English, I loved because that's what you explore is the why. This event yeah. leads to this event leads to this event. And you can see the why. You can see the happenings. You can see human nature in play. Right, exactly. But in math, I was just they would just like show you how to do it. And I'm like, that's great, but why? <laughs> Tell me why. Yeah. And so I, and then science, I really, well, chemistry, I hated. But I loved biology. And my why questions were very much appreciated. In that I didn't take biology. I scraped by on like the lowest. So I did earth science. 
and agriculture. And I, so I did like the easiest, it was taught by like the baseball coach. Like <laughs> it was the Which easiest. Baseball coaches science. can be really yeah. scientists. It was, but like he was the baseball coach who also taught science. He wasn't the science teacher that also taught baseball or coached baseball. Yeah. Um. But anyway, he, anyway, so I did earth science and I love earth science. Like I legitimately took it because I wanted to learn it. Also, chemistry looked confusing and biology was gross to me. I love biology. Well, the parts of biology I specifically love are genetics. Yeah, that stuff grosses me out. I love it. <laughs> Maybe it's be- – well, I, I, I learned to love genetics before I found out I had a genetic mutation. Now that I know I have this this one, it fascinates me even more. But, no, I loved biology. I hated chemistry, though. Despised it. I never took it. I have no, like – Every fiber of my being despises <laughs> chemistry. I was not required to take it, therefore I did not. <laughs> My husband hates physics. That was the that was one of the classes he took in school, and he and he, my husband is very is much more mathematically scientifically minded than me. You know, we're kind of like my mom and dad all over again, but he despised physics. Yeah. <laughs> um, chemistry, I think he was okay with question mark. I think he didn't like organic chemistry in college. Yeah. But anyway, you I think are. We've talked well past Encanto. But here's the thing, great thing about Encanto that it has over the more recent, other recent Disney movies like Frozen and Frozen 2 and stuff like that is that it can lead to discussions like this, deeper yeah. things, because we're not so busy complaining about aspects of it. Well, I mean, if I was to dive this deep into Frozen 2, I, I mean, it would... My biggest problem with Frozen 2, one, is the character assassination, but is also the societal um, effects. So, like, the fact that Frozen 2 came out when it came out, there's a lot of themes in there. Again, I'm always looking at the themes. <laughs> there's a lot of themes in there that I really disagree with. Like, the fact that Kristoff uh, is basically useless. Like, and his character is useless. And they pointed out, and his song is literally about him being useless. Like, he feels lost in the woods. Without her. Like, he has, yeah, like, he has no identity, no purpose. He, he's literally just there to be a love interest for the girl. And I feel like we have done that to women in the past. And we saw how bad it was. And so we fixed it. And now we're doing doing it to men. And I just. Well, you would think that that song would lead to him being becoming of some use exactly like they they kept foreshadowing things yeah and they and and i was also upset that anna just kind of left without at least leaving a note for krista like she left (laughs) no message no anything like hey i can't find to be fair if i remember correctly she thought Kristoff wandered off first yeah so to be fair it was just a big miscommunication which you know how much we love the miscommunication trope (laughs) (laughs) but to be fair she didn't just leave him in the camp like she thought he wandered off first right she followed her sister and so she was just like well i don't know where he is but i know where my sister is and i'm gonna follow her but it still kind of was like he didn't even like hey if he comes back let him know yeah we're gonna go toward this direction or something so one movie that i really love the the social dynamic in and well, it's a series of movies, is the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Oh, Have you seen the, the last one? No, I've seen the first one only. So the first one is great. Love the that. second and I don't I don't even know. Are there like four of them? There's like no well, the problem is, is that there's like a bunch of different series yes. that all connect to it. So I'm like, I don't actually know how many movies there are. I know there's at least three. Okay. 
So in the final one, whether it's the fourth movie or the fifth movie or the third movie, I have no idea. In the final one, um, it is uh, they they get married. Okay. The yeah. the, 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 the guy, yeah. the two characters, and it is very beautifully written and positive towards the the family unit and what the woman's role because i mean they're vikings and the girl like she is you know yeah, yeah she's awesome throughout you know like she battles and fights and is great a great a really great role model for young girls like she's very cool yeah. and then when she gets married she does you know she takes on this role you know he's like the chief and and they they present it as her being very much a part of like his decisions and what he needs to do and who he's who he is as a chief and and they present it so well and i really like that because our opinion on marriage (laughs) yes our opinion is that partners should be equal and so like what you were talking about earlier with your brother and his wife where she's take over the finances some people might have issue with that because they're like well they're equal partners but sometimes being equal partners means one person can handle something the other can't exactly and other times it means you do it together and you every every marriage and every relationship is going to be different but they should both feel as though they have an equal say and an equal part in it whatever that means for you and your partner and because everyone has different strengths and weaknesses for example as i said my husband's much more like mathematically minded than me so a lot of times if it has if there's anything to do with math i just look at him and i'm like (laughs) go for it (laughs) i'm just gonna confuse this and walk us around yeah (laughs) try to bring some sort of theory in because that's all i understand and it's not gonna you know he can actually do the steps and and stuff but if it's something that's more creatively minded or even emotionally minded my husband kind of leans on me a little bit more and he and but we both helped each other grow in those areas exactly and so now i can do a little bit more and he can do a little bit more but so seeing seeing that in how to treat a dragon is really nice because we didn't get that in frozen too exactly like if they i feel like disney is falling farther and farther away from healthy relationships like oh yeah in encanto i feel like they just like gave up on the whole relationship thing like because you have this guy who and someone complained about it they said they, they liked oh what's his name she calls him the big dumb hunk but what's his... it starts with an m mariano yeah. Mar- mariano something like that i'm so sorry he's not a huge character he's a great character but he's not huge but they 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 were commenting underneath i think it was um i put on the isabella song for my daughter and i was reading comments i love to do that on music videos for some reason (laughs) but anyway i'm reading comments and someone's like i really liked the the male character the big dumb Mm -hmm. hunk guy mariano whatever his name is sorry um until at the end when he's with Dolores, he's like, let's get married immediately. And she's like, well, slow down there. And they're like, they, they ruined him. Like, he's this guy who, he's a big dumb hunk. He's, he's, he reminds me of Van from Viva, right. who I love. He's what, what they call him a himbo. Like, he's big, he's strong. He's like Kronk, like big, yeah. strong, dumb, but super sweet and lovable and has a lot of love to give. And he even says, I just have so much love to give. He's so disappointed that he didn't get to marry Isabella who he is appears had very real feelings for right. as, as far as he could mm-hmm. and then he meets Dolores and he's like oh wait no this is a person I could mm-hmm. she knows me back I don't just look at her but she sees me yeah and then he immediately says he wants to get married and she's like well slow down and they're like and then they ruined him like they made him I don't think they ruined him I think they ruined her <laughs> Dolores yeah because like okay well this is just their comment was that right. they felt I like understand. he was ruined because 
he had legit emotions and he was so glad to be seen for the first time. And someone replied to their comment, same thing as you, I don't think he got ruined. Um, but I think they did a, a tasteless joke. I said, <coughs> well, I agree. And I feel like Disney does those tasteless jokes a lot. They even did it in like, they try to subvert, oh, sorry, they did it in Bumblebee, which I don't think, it, it wasn't originally, it was after. Bumblebee? Bumblebee is a Transformers movie. Oh, okay, okay. And I think, I don't remember if they made it before Disney bought Fox or not. I don't remember. But anyway, that is the same thing. At the end, the guy, I think he either tries to kiss her or hold her hand or something. And she's like, no, we're not there yet. And it's like, yeah. you just went through this whole, like, adventure together. Like, yeah, you are. You know, and, they, <laughs> and they, but they just wanted to subvert expectations. And it's like, no, she was, that was a rude thing for her to do. Like, she doesn't say it politely. Just, like, I, I feel like Dolores at least says it politely. <laughs> She's yeah. like, slow down. Like, I still love you, but calm down. <laughs> you yeah, know, we're going to. Well, and she should already know he's the man of her dreams because of Bruno's prediction. Yeah, well, and she has obviously been in love with him for a long time. Like, that was the whole thing. She was, like, staring at him as he's weirdly walking up all slow motion. Like, and she stares at him. She hears, like, she specifically listens for him. Yeah. And is no has noticed him. And I, I wish instead of, like, him saying, like, let's get married, or, and then her saying, well, let's slow down, that he was more like, let's go to dinner or let's like go meet yeah the family or something she was like yeah let's like something more that's showing their relationship progress instead of the first thing kind of being this weird let's get married no let's not i will and i think that i feel like if dolores had said let's get married it would have been funnier because dolores has known him for a long time because she's been listening to him she hears his poetry that he reads she listens to him take care of his mother and yeah. that like, like she knows him really well so if she was like let's get married and he was like whoa slow down like i still need to get to know you you know yeah. but people i think would have been mad at that because that's the whole disney trope is prince like the girl getting married with the guy that they've only known each other for a day that's the whole thing in frozen that they did yeah. was you're gonna marry a guy you've known less than a day yeah kind of a thing so i don't know i just wish they hadn't mentioned marriage at all and it was just like let's you know let's go do something else yeah. yeah let's go on a picnic let's meet the family let's... i actually wish that he had gone um with louisa <laughs> like i wanted louisa to get I a love story what was gonna happen yeah no legitimately i thought that Louisa and him were going to be a thing and going to happen. The whole, I was hoping, not the yeah. whole time up until Dolores, and I saw the foreshadowing with Dolores. But I totally thought that. Yeah, I was like, oh, Louisa, and I think the reason they didn't want to do that is because they might have felt like they were falling into the territory of, oh, he didn't see her or like her because she's bigger and has muscle, and I think they wanted to just avoid. But that's the thing. Dealing like, with that. That's the thing. Is like. Everybody expected him to be with the perfect girl mm -hmm. because she was perfect. And he did like her because she was pretty. And like, and Louisa was service oriented and, and a lot of service oriented people aren't seen. Yeah. And so I feel like it would actually have been a really good way to go. Way to go. Oh, he sees her finally. Yeah. Like maybe they, if they had gone that way, they would have done little moments where he sees her and right. everything. Um, I totally thought that was going to happen. It did it. I'm not mad at how it turned out. I still like the movie. But I did think that that was going to happen. And I, I kind of yeah. hoped for it too. But I'm okay with him being with Dolores. I thought it was yeah. sweet that she, she knew him and she was the one who came. Like watching him while he was watching Isabella. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I like I said, I liked being in that world. I liked living in the, like 
you know, being engulfed in that uh, scenario, I liked it. So even though the storytelling is not my favorite, I would still watch that movie again. I would have no problem. And I listened to the songs a lot. Um, I watched all of the... <laughs> I, I can't escape all of the YouTube content or TikTok content that is there because I, I spend a lot of time on that, like with my writing. So there's, I have no problem with that. Frozen 2, I have a problem with. I think they had a lot of really beautiful song ideas and they paid absolutely no attention to the story or what messages they were sending. And podcast with that. Yeah. There's a documentary that we need to dive deeper into but i think we're good for today absolutely so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think we are good so just kind of to sum up um watch what your storytelling <laughs> is doing to people take care of yourself what what is your love language and that's how you should try treating yourself and doing your self-care you process your emotions in a healthy manner and if you don't know how to do that find someone who can assist you with that honestly you can google it like there are so many videos out there on it there are so many people out there who are trying to help there i mean there's all kinds of stuff so definitely i would say avoid people who tell you to live in that space because they are trying to perpetuate the problem and not fix it and help you process it yeah and helping you process is what you need. So what you need to do. You can admit, you can acknowledge something is wrong and was done wrong to you and still process it and move on and still acknowledge it was wrong. Exactly. So those are all of the things we kind of talked about today. So uh, thank you for joining us on our first podcast and this new format. Let us know if you hated it. Let us know what you thought about it. Let us know what you do to um give yourself a break and to uh, not crush under the surface pressure (laughs) and um let us know what you would like any topics that you would like us to discuss on our next podcast uh you can find us on patreon you can find us on facebook and instagram never twitter Twitter. (laughs) you can also comment on comment on our youtube channel it's all under your little sisters productions so your little six your little sisters your little sisters productions anywhere of those social media places bye bye